anytime some author tries to write their book like a poem, I'll, I can't stand it. Virginia Woolf, you could be the most amazing storyteller and I wouldn't know because I couldn't understand half the things that were going on in that book. Hello and welcome to 10 Pages In. I'm your host, Sainthal, a person who reviews books every month for no absolute reason and that no absolute reason has become increasingly evident as I sit here in the back of my mother's car reviewing books at 8 o'clock on a Monday evening because I procrastinated recording these books segment by segment during the month while I was reading them and just left it to the last minute. So, you know, the life of a university student is a high-octane drama on drugs. So, you know, what can I say except welcome to 10 pages in once again. If you are new here, welcome. If you are old and have returned here, and by old I mean an old listener, then welcome again. I welcome you both with open arms. And in spirit of that welcome, I will tell you that this month's theme is non-fiction. Now I know you might be wondering who in their right mind would read non-fiction consecutively. And I can tell you with absolute certainty that that stupid person is me. Because that's what I did for the entire month of May. And to be honest, I think I noticed a lot of things about nonfiction that I wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't read them all together in a group. Because there seems to be some misconceptions about nonfiction that I picked up while reading these books, reading what other people thought about them on Goodreads, and just overall things that I think that we tend to forget about nonfiction, and that includes the authors, even. And my opinion matters because I have never re- wrote a book in my life, and I've never published a book, and I'm not in the publishing agency, and I'm not even a literature degree student. So that's how much my opinion matters. But other than that, I think this month will be interesting to say the least. So pick up a drink, get a cup of tea, get a cup of coffee. If it's late at night, snuggle into your covers while I sit here in the back of my mom's car. If you want to do something like draw or do some mundane task and put this in the background, you are more than welcome to because that's the only way that I ever listen to podcasts. So you do that. Do what makes you happy and let's get into the books I read for May. And the first book that I read this month was Improbable Destinies, How Predictable is Evolution by Jonathan Lossos. That could be 
Losus, but I, I don't exactly know which version of his surname is correct. I apologize for that. But other than that, this book is basically a very long biological essay that asks the question, how predictable is evolution? Can we say for certain that if we went all the way back to a time in our evolutionary history and we just played from that moment, would we still end up end up exactly here? Would I still be sitting here in this car recording a podcast at eight o'clock on a Monday evening? And that is the question that he that Jonathan Losos Losos wants to answer. And I think because the question is very concise and measurable in a sense, that this book was just really enjoyable and fun to read. It's just a solid, good nonfiction book compared to all the ones that I've read before. It's concise and very well written for the audience that the author wanted because it's supposed to be that anyone can just pick this up and read it and understand what the question is and what are the answers to that question. And also the author provided an extensive diverse group of information and information that I can understand because I used to study biology in matric. And this was basically like having the entire metric biology syllabus dumped on my head all over again. It was very nostalgic. There were terms that I learned myself in class that I studied, ideas that I've studied, and people in evolutionary biology that I've studied, they were in this book like Darwinian finches. Like I was just having the time of my life every time the word convergent evolution and divergent evolution and arboreal was thrown in my face. I was just having a blast because I really enjoyed biology as a kid and it was very nostalgic for me to read this book and I think that's probably the reason why I enjoyed it but also the author just seems like a very accessible person. The voice is very concise and clear and it's written for the audience that it is targeting. Um, I would have to say that some terms aren't explained in the book. I would have wished that they had included definitions so that people who haven't studied biology would kind of know them so like arboreal means an organism that lives in trees and you wouldn't know that as a person who has never studied biology only people who studied evolutionary biology would know that so i thought that that would have been a just a one-up extra great thing to include but wasn't included and that's why i gave it four out of five stars But other than that, if you want to learn about evolution and you're interested to know how much is our society up to chance, I think it's a great book to read. And then the next book I read was Colour by Victoria Finlay. 
I don't know if it's Finley or Finlay, but I'll try my best. These surnames this month is not, they're not going, they're not going well for me. But regardless of that fact, I, this, me and this book have a history. For those of you who stumbled upon my Goodreads account, you would know that Colour has been on my reading list for two years. I've been reading this book for two years because I started it two years ago and I stopped (laughs) at like a third of the way through and never picked it up. And so reading nonfiction this month was a great idea because I could finally finish this book. And to be honest, I thought that the book was a really good example in which an author has taken nonfiction and kind of gone beyond the traditional understanding of nonfiction. So this book follows Victoria Finlay's life as she travels the world trying to find the origins of colour. And I think there's about seven colours that she does and it's like the primary colours. Not primary colours as in primary colours, but just the most broad colours like blue, violet, red, yellow, stuff like that. So each chapter is a different colour where she goes to this place that has significant associations with the colour and she speaks to people and she tries and finds the places where it is harvested or mined and she just gets to know the place and the locals and you know travel and see things and so it's kind of like a travel diary slash non-fiction because we'll go from her on this adventure to the backstory and the history of the colour An example would be red originally used to be found from the like insides of the specific insect and when you crushed it this bright red color would come out and it used to be this huge secret that this one random Spanish guy had to smuggle out the country because that's how secretive this color was and so you kind of get from that story what kind of story that she decides to write and a lot of people were upset that this was not non-fiction and that it shouldn't be considered non-fiction it's just this woman traveling and talking about color and you know it's kind of they described it as being a very you know, a self-indulgent story. So she wrote it to almost document her travels and its connection to colour. And I understand because I kind of like, I actually wished that she had written more personally than non-fictionally, fictionally, if that even is a word. Because I think that Nonfiction can be anything. I think people think that it should be autobiography, biography, nonfiction in those categories. But there's nothing subjective, I mean, there's nothing objective about nonfiction. You can be 
I think the word is hoodwinked. I don't know if it's correct. You can be deceived in a non-fiction book. Just because someone is using non-fiction and facts and evidence does not make it 100% true. When a person chooses to write a non-fiction, if it's not a research paper, if it's not a journal article, then it is not 100% objective. Because the person who's writing this book chooses what to put in it. They choose what to write about. They can choose to not mention evidence that could work against them. And so people tend to have this idea that nonfiction is 100% true or 100% uh, well-written and documented. It can be as documented and factual as you want and it can still be bad. You know, it can still leave out crucial bits of information that could swing you over to the opposite of their opinion. I think that her way of presenting nonfiction was so much better than what it could have been. I can go on the internet and find the history of color, but she is so good at weaving this very personal, beautiful story of her life and color into this format that I thought it was so much better than any book on color that I could read. Not to say that I like would give it five stars. I actually give it three out of five. And that's because I wish that she had gone more personal with it. Victoria Finlay is uh, what I would say is a person who could write fiction convincingly and make me feel like she has written fiction her whole life. It is just her descriptions on color and her travels are just exquisite. I'd actually wish that she had gone 100%, not 100%, that she had written a travel diary and then woven in the facts and the history into it like a sprinkling because I actually zoned out when she started writing about the historical parts about the color. Only like certain things like the bug or the color yellow where they were talking about how cow urine was used to make the color yellow. And only at those parts was I utterly engrossed in the story because they were quite odd stories. But I thought that if she had had more fun with the novel, gone more personal, that it would have been a five out of five for me because that's how well she was writing, especially with a topic like colour. You can't just write normal things about colour. You have to reference art and painters and symbols and really it's in a really creative field. So I would have hoped that she had really leaned into her travels more and that would have made this book a five out of five but right now it's a three out of five and to give you a taste of what I mean when I say that her writing is really good I'll read a little quote from the book they are looking for the crock of earth at the beginning of the rainbow serpent and yet they don't have to look so carefully anymore to see how it glitters like, brilliant. If she wrote a fictional book 
I would buy it. So this next book is a bit of a controversial one. Ooh, fascinating, Synthol. Say more. So this book was apparently on Oprah's book list or Oprah like interviewed the author of this book. And because of that, there's apparently like a whole group of people who's read this book. And it's kind of got like mixed signals. Some people hate it. Some people love it. But overall, it seems that it does have a four point something rating on Goodreads. So something is good about this book. But there were some pretty bad reviews that I saw that I was like, hmm, 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 hmm. What is this juicy book and what can I do to get this? And to be honest, this was a complete coincidence. So I'm just going to pretend that I chose the book for the reason that it was controversial. Um, other than that, uh, I've tried to record this segment three times now because I keep getting confused about what, what the hell I'm supposed to say next or what point was I trying to make. Um, and this book is very compacted into many different categories, so I couldn't describe what was in the book. So I'm just going to read the back just to make my life and your life much easier. So the book, before I even get to that, the book is called The Gift of Fear, Survival Signals That Protect Us From Violence by Gavin DeBecker. And at the back it says, in this empowering book, Gavin DeBecker, the man Oprah Winfrey calls the U.S.'s leading expert on violent behavior, shows you how to spot even subtle signs of danger before it's too late. Shattering the myth that most violent acts are unpredictable, DeBecker, whose clients include top Hollywood stars and government agencies, offers specific ways to protect yourself and those you love including how to act when approached by a stranger, when you should fear someone close to you, what to do if you are being stalked, how to uncover the source of an anonymous threats or phone calls, the biggest mistake you can make with a threatening person, and more. Learn to spot the danger signals others miss. It might just save your life. Through dozens of compelling examples from his own career, Security expert Gavin DeBecker teaches readers how to read signs of impending danger by using their most basic but often discouraged survival skill, intuition. This book provides a unique combination of practical guidance on leading a safer life and profound insight into human behavior. And interestingly enough, the book does all of the things that are mentioned in the back. It has tips on almost anything, and that's why I couldn't create a very effective synopsis of it, because there's just so much that um, that is mentioned in this book that I can't even begin to describe it. But it does mention all the things that are in this synopsis. So... If you're wondering what it's about, then I mentioned it. And the one thing that was mentioned in the synopsis that is the most controversial thing about this book is intuition. And Gavin DeBecker was right. A lot of people seem to think that intuition 
is not factual. And I get what you mean. People have this obsession with the conscious mind. What you yourself and your ego can think up. But there are so many things that your body does that you don't think of. You don't think to breathe. You don't think to swallow. You don't think to start your digestive process. You don't decide how many times a second your heart beats. That's all your subconscious. That's all your the rest of your brain. There's only a small part of your brain that you actually consciously consider and think. And so we need to stop having this very controversial opinion about intuition. And the interesting thing that Gavin DeBecker mentions in this book is that it's often women who mention intuition. And it's because in the society we live in, women are the ones who are often always in danger or most likely to be in danger. For example, in South Africa, like the rape statistics are insane. Insane. And the sexual violence and assault and domestic violence is astronomical. So I don't need Gavin DeBecker to tell me that women are literally the first thing in a society to get beat up. And I'm not saying that as a joke. It's just the truth. And so this book has a very focused intent on women, the experiences of women. It does not include um, women of color necessarily or transgender women because I feel like transgender women and women of color have different circumstances. He just generalizes women. So it isn't really specified to other groups or more minority groups. Um, And so there's a lot of talk about when you get this feeling that you're in danger. There's nothing wrong with looking around and seeing, oh, there's nothing wrong and just continuing with your life. Other than that, I thought the book was super interesting and it did contain things that I have used in my life and have witnessed in my life. And that's the most terrifying thing because I think that most people should read this book because Gavin DeBecker's anger and like horror of certain things are because we have created this problem. I would only give it three out of five because of two reasons. One, there's the section on celebrity stalking that has no relevance to a normal person. Um, I think it was just included because he is a consultant for celebrities and high-profile clients, so he has a lot of high-profile clients. So I felt he just put that in because he has experience in it, but I found it entirely unnecessary because this is supposed to be for kind of the average Joe. Then the other thing was I feel like at certain circumstances, Gavin DeBecker should be more objective about things instead of subjective. There are points where his subjective opinions and anger and fear 
is justified because he experienced abuse as a child and so when he speaks about how abuse of children affects how they grow up and where they end up in life I thought that was very relevant and important but he would get upset about women staying in marriages um, with men who assault them and physically harm them and he would get angry and say that it was a choice of the women of course this is totally different in a South African context because obviously women here if you leave your husband you have to find a job and most of the population here live on less than 200 rand a month so I thought that that was a very subjective opinion that he might have and not very sensitive or justified in his anger for having that um so I would have wished that he had more focused on why men disproportionately are the actors of violence than women I think he should have kind of discuss the problem of our society and why shouldn't we be teaching these things at a young age instead of math because to be honest some people don't know what the word no means and that's just the truth so I feel like he had some great points it was valid it was well written at points his writing is really beautiful I wouldn't say that he's a person who could go into fiction um, but I think that it's a great tool just to read and kind of just know because there are some very practical things that are in here that you can use in your daily life. Yeah, other than that, I think it was good. The back makes it seem like a like a celebrity book club pick that only celebrities would relate to but I can attest that that is entirely untrue I think that if you want to read a book about personal safety this would be the first book that I recommend then just to give you this really cool line and actually really sad line and to get you to understand why I think this book is actually really useful i'll read you this quote it is understandable that the perspectives of men and women on safety are so different men and women live in different worlds i don't remember where i first heard the simple description of one dramatic contrast between the genders but it is strikingly accurate at core Men are afraid women will laugh at them, while at core, women are afraid men will kill them. Chills. Absolute chills. That is why (laughs) this book is just probably useful because there is nothing sugar-coated. Also, trigger warnings for sexual assault and violence and everything under the sun that you can mention it's not it's not i would say described in any detail but if you are triggered by those things then this book might make you uncomfortable 
Then the fourth book I read is Finding Freedom, How Death Row Broke and Opened My Heart by Jarvis J. Masters. Now, this is the second book I've read about a person on death row. The first one being, I think, The Sun Does Rise. Uh, I can't remember who the author was, but that one was also about a person on death row. But it was much thicker than this one. Finding Freedom is kind of like a personal diary of Jarvis J. Masters and his experiences in prison and his almost journey towards Buddhism because he converts to Buddhism while he's in prison and it just it's kind of almost like a collection of diary entries I would say it doesn't have a connecting theme or idea or something that it's trying to tell you. It's almost just just a, a story of his experience. There are moments where it's extremely funny, where the conversations that he has with his fellow inmates are just comedic that you would think they came out of a tv show or movie but they're actually just the day-to-day lives of prisoners um it's a lot more comedic and i would say more picturesque than i thought it would be i just felt that if you want to read a book about someone on death row it's very different compared to The Sun Does Rise, um, because in that instance, the prisoner who was put on death row for, I think it was 27 years, he was guilt. he was not guilty, he was wrongfully accused of committing a crime because he was black in America in the time of segregation, so he was imprisoned and he was in there for 27 years. I think. And so you kind of have an urge to see him released. You have a motivation to see him released and you want him to be released. And that story was just so well written. It was beautifully written. The author was very full of heart. I really enjoyed that book. I think it's one of the better, I don't know what I'll call it. I don't think it's a memoir. A more, I would have a more connection with that novel. Whereas this one, Finding Freedom, is just a collection of anecdotes. There's nothing really I can say about it other than it's just a little short book that you can read about someone who is experiencing death row. Obviously, I think that the one connection between the books is that they try and humanize inmates. Obviously, in the case of The Sun Does Shine, you feel connected to the author because he is an innocent person. He did nothing wrong. You want to see him free. Whereas Jarvis has committed crimes. He is not innocent by any standard. He is a victim of a family who was, did not treat him right. 
and he's a victim of violence in his own home and it's interesting to read the family violence mentioned in the gift of fear kind of like realized in this book because you see it as a first person demonstration of the history of violence in families in this book and so i was i thought it was really interesting to see gavin de becker's opinions become truth in the version of an in another book and so that was really fascinating but i think you could skip this one i don't think that i'll remember it in five years it was fun compared to the other books where i had to kind of concentrate this was more kind of just you know experiencing this man's life and what he went through let us read a quote from finding freedom oh that one has a swear word in it oh okay understanding impermanence that things are here today and gone tomorrow really helps no matter how bad something is you can remind yourself damn this won't last long then when it doesn't last you can laugh and say i knew it what goes around comes around and what comes around doesn't last everybody gets their turn the police jump on you the light goes out there's a roach in your soup (laughs) see so you can kind of get that that feeling of it being kind of this slightly comedic undertone of this guy's experience in prison and just you know something fun to pass the time And then I read a fifth book. Look at me, guys. Look at me. I am just bawling this month with these books. I don't know why I decided to read this book. It was the shortest. (laughs) I actually know exactly why I wanted to read this book. It's the shortest nonfiction that I had on my reading list. And so I decided, you know what, since I have three days left, let's see what I can read. And that book was Love's Work by Gillian Rose. And you know what? I hated it. I hated it. I'm not going to lie. I just, and you know what? I read this book in two days. And in those two days, I felt nothing but pure unhappiness every time I was reading it and yet it took me two days to read it I hate read this book essentially and you know I have no shame in saying that because you can't hate all books I mean (laughs) you can't love all books some books you have to hate otherwise you won't ever find books that you love and this book I hated and it's pretty sad because I thought that certain moments in the book were really fun. They were well written. They were like beautiful. But the rest I was like, why am I reading this? Why why put me through this pain? And it was only 176 pages. And it felt like I would have rather done anything else <laughs> than read this book. But I gave it two stars, which is generous for a book I hate because I have given one stars to books that I hate. 
but I felt like it was just because me and the author have nothing in common. It was essentially a memoir of this woman who is diagnosed with cancer, and it's like fourth stage, I think, so it's terminal. Like, it's basically, you can't do anything about it. And because of this diagnosis, she's decided to write a book. And, you know, this book made me realize that not all people should write a book. First, because it was short. There's nothing really you can say about it. There's hardly anything to say about it. I was shocked at how little there was. I think that the author could have extended it fleshed it out so that us mere mortals can understand what the hell she's saying because she was writing these extended metaphors and alliterations and personifications and all of those cool poetic things that people love to put in poetry but I'm reading a book I don't want to read poetry and you guys all know anytime some author tries to write their book like a poem Oh, I can't stand it. Virginia Woolf, you could be the most amazing storyteller and I wouldn't know because I couldn't understand half the things that were going on in that book. And the same thing happened in Love's work. And the person who recommended this book is the same person who gave me the blessing that is 100 Years of Solitude. And I will forever be grateful for that recommendation and it's emmy this youtuber by the way who gives great recommendations but she also recommended this book and i hated it so you know one person will never have the same taste as another person and this is just one instance of that so if you hate a book that's great because you can't love all books that is the message of this final book and that is all I have to say. And this is the end of this episode of 10 pages in. I momentarily forgot what the podcast was. I've decided to not have a conclusion. I'm just going to end it here on this last book recommendation. Because I'm lazy like that. And it's it's now nine o'clock on a sun on a Monday evening and I'm I wanna go to bed. And so in this pitiful, sad, horrible podcast episode that you have been abu- that you have used to abuse your ears, I say goodbye. And I hope you guys enjoy June because I'm writing exams. <laughs> Sucks to be me. Anyway, I'll see you guys next month. And I hope you have a great month. And I hope that you guys drink lots of water, drink coffee, eat chocolate, and just be happy. Because I won't be. Okay? This is this is a threat. Yes, it is. This is a threat. And goodbye. <laughs>